Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is Jenna Ipcar. Hello. And live via Skype all the way from the inferior coast of the United States of America <laughs> is Madeline Blue. Watch it. And also, <laughs> I'm not criticizing you. You couldn't have known, but it's Madeline Blue. Oh, man. Do I have to start this all over again? No, 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 because because it's pretentious and you wouldn't know. Okay. If you go into an audition, then do you take issue if like a director is like Madeline? No, I can't. I can't do that all the time. Right. Yeah. You've given me the rare opportunity where I knew that I could tell you that. Did it feel good to do that? <laughs> yes. It. Be, I mean, no, no. You know what? Actually, it doesn't feel good. It never feels good to have to stop and tell someone that your name sounds more pretentious than they said it. True. I get called <laughs> Gina a lot by Europeans. Gina? <laughs> well, I we've, kind of love that. We've diverted wildly. We haven't even explained who you are and why you're so great yeah, and why you're, on the, why you're on the show. And you're oh. on the show because you are Cure Girl. Woo! Great fucking character from Wet Hot American Summer and... Breaking news, I suppose, from, you know, the new reboot Wet Hot American Summer Netflix uh, eight episode series. Dun, dun, dun. So fucking cool, man. Thanks, man. Oh, I guess we can curse on this one. That's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> the last podcast I was on, I couldn't curse. Not couldn't, not couldn't, but just was encouraged not to, or we have to rate it explicit. Oh, man. We're explicit. Yeah, all ours are rated explicit. Even the ones that like we're not explicit on, I just... I guess just for good measure. We're both sitting here naked right now. Yeah. It's mostly the nudity that gets us the explicit <laughs> rating. It's less on. I was going to do the same thing. And then I felt <laughs> modest and I put on my clothes. Oh. Started 10 minutes later too. Well, there goes the ratings. No. Okay. So, you know, I interviewed you for the site a while back. You know, we, we covered a lot of territory. A lot of people can go back and read some of that stuff. We'll retread a few things for those who haven't read it. I guess let's start. How did you get the part of Cure Girl? How did I get it? Well, I auditioned. I was a never has been C-list child star actress, not star. And I auditioned a lot. So I auditioned for Michael Showalter and David Wayne. And I think I even said in that last interview, I can't recall the two separate auditions, but I'm pretty sure I did have an audition and a callback like you do. And that's how I got it. I, I auditioned for Cure Girl and for Mall Rat Girl, the two science nerd girls. And I had them totally backwards in my head. And I thought that Cure Girl was like a valley girl. And Mall Rat Girl, because the word rat was in her name, was right. obviously some gnarly, like, punky weirdo. So I just read them that way. And I think maybe that gave me an edge. I don't know. Maybe they thought I was super clever, but I was really just a dumb kid. How old are you? <clears throat> Let's see, 12, maybe 13. But yes, I was, a, I was a wee one. But it was so super fun. I just remember having fun, which is the key to all of our successes and all of our career paths, don't you think? Yeah. You know, actually, that was, I was going to ask, like, how was working on that movie at that age? Because I wonder if maybe... Our, so the first time I watched the movie was, I think, in high school or something. It was I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it afterwards. I don't think anybody really saw it in theaters. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, the thing nobody, with that one. Yeah. Nobody did that. Yeah. But the first time I saw it, it didn't. I didn't really love it, which was weird to me because I had been a fan. I mean, I'm a huge fan of David Wayne, Michael Showalter, and Michael Ian Black. 
I was huge yeah. on Stella and I I liked uh the you know the Baxter I thought was hilarious. That's a great one, yeah. But then I sort of out of order went back and, and watched um Wet Hot American Summer and the first time I watched it it didn't really do it for me. Though subsequently, I don't know as I've I've gotten older it has become way funnier for some reason. And I yeah. wonder so like yeah, what do, did you really get the movie at that age or was it just like, you know, like a fun job and that, that was all you needed? I didn't get it. And I love that you confess that you didn't love it because there's some really embarrassing behind the scenes footage of me somewhere where the camera person was going around interviewing all the actors. And I was like a super honest, probably slightly gothy, awkward kid. And I remember just being way too honest and super awkward when I was just being myself answering questions. And they said to me, you know, how do you feel about the movie? And I'm like, in private behind the scenes footage, which I'm sure David and Michael watched a lot being like, well, I don't, well, I don't know about this. I don't know about this film. Like, I, like I knew yeah, but yeah. it did. I, I think, I think it's adult humor to be frank. And I just, as like a 13 year old who was struggling with sexuality and drug culture and this and that, I was a bit prude for the movie. Right. So I think I couldn't, you know, I remember my mom used to be very down on South Park. She would say like, oh, this is disgusting. This is disgusting. Now I can't think of a funnier show. Right. It's become the mainstream pop culture. Right. So I just think I was behind the curve being that I was, you know, a young dweeby kid. I think when I got older, I figured it out. Yeah. That's not just you. That's a, I think that's a lot of people when that first came out is a, you know, there are a lot of things about the humor of that movie that we take you know, for granted now, just as a given, like it's just a part of how we approach things comedically. Yeah. That movie was so famously panned and it's got 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. And Ebert Ebert wrote that one star review in which Mm -hmm. he just does a parody (laughs) of Alan Sherman, like that, that like dopey, like sixties hit, like a mutter, dear mutter, dear fodder or whatever the heck. And his whole review is basically just like, fuck this movie. Yeah. Yeah, he did that. I totally remember that. I mean, it's ah, yeah, kind of beautiful in a way, but at yeah. the same time, like, man, I'm, I'm shocked that it just has such low ratings. Well, I feel like that's the, that's the natural progression of what becomes mainstream pop culture. It's like, if you think about like the Simpsons, you know, that was like the Tracy Allman show is all crude and everything. And some people liked it and some people got it. But like now Simpsons is like as American as apple pie. But people forget that that was like avant-garde yeah. at the time. And and this, the, you could make the case that this was kind of like an avant-garde comedy film that then took on life later on when people caught up to it. I think anything that really hits and anything that really has lasting entertainment value, it needs to have that sort of avant-garde core to it in order for it to be relevant in the future. Yeah, did, did David and Michael come up with like the self-awareness of being self-aware humor they certainly contributed i was yeah yeah Yeah. and yeah i wouldn't say they necessarily were the origin but they certainly were riding the first wave and tried to mainstream the wave i think before the world was ready yeah i mean yeah the state is so overlooked anyhow oh my god love that show yeah so when did you come into liking the state you know i think because of the move because of wet hot I had a bit of a, a an awakening and a culture shift. I mean, not only because of that, but also because I was aging like humans do. Right. And but you know, the the movie played a, a huge part in that. 
Um, and because of Wet Hot, I learned about the state. I remember we took home, I can't remember if it was a gift or we ordered it, but we took home these VHS tapes of, of the state. And I just watched my way through the entire state. And it's so funny, you know, it's just so incredibly outlandish and still accessible. Yeah, it's uh, still hilarious. Hilarious. So uh, I don't know that I was I was converted pretty soon after my awkward introduction right. to that whole vein. I think I would have been like you too. I was I was definitely like I, I, when I first watched it, I just took it too seriously. But I feel like that is sort of understandable for like a the audience more so than the critics. I feel like they've seen all this mo- the movies that this movie is parroting. Right. Why? How did they not know? Anyhow, <laughs> they didn't know. I don't know. I agree with you. I don't know why they didn't know. And it, and in almost my rebellious side, almost they're not liking it helped me realize that it was brilliant. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's an important thing about growing up, too, I think. I mean, like when you're a kid, like the movies that you think are good or bad are usually very tied into like what your parents decide to show you. You know, right. it's like if they're sitting you down and they're saying this is like a really good film and it's like a drama or something and like that becomes your standard for that quality of a film. And it, it depends on like your family's, you know, sense of humor and all that, too, like the kind of funny movies they show you and that turns into what you think is funny. And then like, you know, when you're a teenager, that's the first time you're sort of venturing out from that like mode of what's a good film, what's a bad film. And, you know, your friends are turning you on to stuff and you're sort of realizing things. And like, it's the time in your life where you become a critic for the first time, so to speak. Yeah. And learning your parents aren't the end all be all. Yeah. Yeah. Mom. (laughs) Yeah. Mom. Oh my God. So I want to know more like behind the scenes stuff. So you you were uh, as Cure Girl in the sort of the nerdy group of characters. Yeah, we should specify you are yeah. arguably the most memorable of the the kids Definitely. in the film. You know, you, just your look, you, you nailed something there. And you, the, the arm raise is like the greatest single <laughs> shot in film history. You agreed, know? agreed. I mean, that's just perfect. And I think they, they probably realized that like they saw something in you you know, in the audition or whatever, it was just, it, it was a very real performance and it goes along with their like aesthetic of things that are so real yet. So also like crazy and strange. And Thanks. it's yeah, just, a, it's just a great fucking character. So, yeah. So you had to, you hung out with like David Hyde Pierce a lot, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, I did. You know what? And it's funny. No one's ever just like asked me about who I actually spent time with on set. Right. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, that movie is honestly at this point like a who's who of, of Hollywood. I mean, you have so many freaking Bradley Cooper uh, yeah. is a, is like a big guy now. Uh, Amy Poehler. Elizabeth which I, Banks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and then, of course, like the entire cast of The State, which turned into Reno 911 and Stella, which has turned <laughs> into Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is like, right. you know, this like sprawling or uh, party down. Yeah. All of it. You got everyone there. So, so who'd you hang out with? <laughs> so who'd I hang out with? So I, you know, and again, this is like child memory, so bear with me. But I do know that I obviously spent time with David Hyde Pierce and also Janine Garofalo. And that was pretty much, you know, in terms of the, I don't know, in terms of actually spending time with people, those, those were the two. Um, and of course, you know, David, who was directing all the time. And yeah, I mean, David Hyde Pierce is the nicest man you know, ever. And, and this thing that is true of comedians, a lot of the time, not necessarily a light, sunny person, 
you know, definitely uh, a very solemn, serious side to him. He was championing an Alzheimer's cause. I don't know if he still does. I'm sure he does. And my mother's father had been going through Alzheimer's. So the two of them would talk at great length, mm. like on the on the porch of the of the cabin, just talk about Alzheimer's research and helping, you know, helping the elderly. So they were just very, you know, solemnly engaged with one another. <laughs> that's, so much. that's beautiful. I mean, like, I like that's like, it sounds like a really cool, genuine, like connection, like nice, like, you know, man, I met this actor and he was really down to earth. But then at the same time, like the <laughs> fact that they're doing that super serious conversation, and then he's talking about like spaceships, like falling from the sky. <laughs> that's beautiful. No, it was intense. I mean, you know, actor people are intense people. So that was, that was the intensity that that I got to witness from David I. Pierce, just this very deeply caring about this cause. And then, you know, Janine is delightful. She's just a delightful human. So I just have very fond memories of her throwing very flattering comments my way. And, um, you know, oh, you know, this this kid's nailing it, you know, whatever, like went to my head because Janine Garofalo was telling me. Hell yeah. About myself, you know, so, but they, yeah, all great, all super friendly and fun. I remember us all getting, um, for the, having ourselves a little cry scene. I remember <laughs> us all getting, um, eyedroppers of, you know, whatever tear solutions they apparently use in Hollywood. Like, I just remember them putting it on a bunch of our cheeks. I don't even think you can see it in the, in the <laughs> film, but, but I just remember us all getting these eyedroppers in our eyes and then hugging. And it was just the silliest. That's great. What about the other kids? Did you like have a lot of, did you like make a friend? (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. So I admittedly obviously had raging hormones. So I'm pretty sure I had a major crush on everybody (laughs) included in that was certainly Cape boy. Really? Um, I remember I had a big crush and now, now I've like seen him again. So hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) Nobody um, listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. No, we're going to be matchmakers. I feel it. Even if you have a boyfriend, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. I think we'd just be friends. Um, was it the cape or was it the boy? It was the boy. <laughs> okay. It was the boy. Well, no, this is what it is. See, I've always been a sucker for people saying nice things to me. And that hasn't changed. You, you would think I had learned something by now, but... <laughs> I remember he did not, I mean, I was not his type, but he did. He was very confident. He looked at me the first day I arrived on set and I sat down at the table across from from him and he said, you have the coolest pupils. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that would make a 13-year-old fall in love, yeah. Yeah, I know, and I was thinking he meant beautiful pupils and I almost feel like he clarified later that he did strictly mean they were cool and not beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah. So you said the weather was like really bad and shit too, right? Oh, that's the, that's the tale of wet hot is that we were doing this movie in the rain and it is true. We were. It's amazing. Cause like, you know, you watch it and that would never occur to you you as a viewer, you know, it's incredible. Being back on the new set, was it similar conditions? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So strangely enough, it was. Really? Yeah. I just saw it as a good omen. I mean, it definitely, the one day that I was there, it definitely rained. It was rainy <laughs> and we had to use umbrellas when we were outside. Does the new set look like the old set? I, I personally, in my 
limited appearance was not on a set that would have resembled the old set. Okay. So it's in, it's in space. This one's in space. It's in space. <laughs> yes. This one, we, the science kids make it to space. Oh my God. <laughs> oh man. Now I wish that was a plot line. <laughs> That's too good. <laughs> Maybe, maybe in the spinoff show about the science kids. That's so great that they called you back, though. I love that's, you know, what's really fantastic about this reboot is that just they went to that detail. I really love that. Yeah, I love it. too. I mean, I obviously love it, too. And it, it was fun seeing some of the others because everyone felt that they had been proactive in some way. Like I felt that I had, you know, oh, thank goodness I, I was doing my best to stay in touch with everyone and and tell them, you know, I want to work with them again and that kind of thing. And and almost everyone I spoke to had that same kind of, oh, maybe I'm here because I stayed in touch. <laughs> you know, right. like really, the truth is you're here because David and Michael and, and all the others involved decided that it would be funny to have you here. And that's why. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And they know. And they know. Did it feel like a reunion kind of? It did feel like a reunion. Yeah. It felt like a really... I mean, like a high school reunion, like a really old reunion. Yeah, because it's, it's 15 years or so, right? Yeah, it's, um, I'm trying to think. We had the 10th anniversary. I had seen some people at our 10th anniversary celebration, and that was in 2011. So it's, yeah, it's 14 years. Damn. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> did you get to, now, now who did you become friends with among the adults now that you are also an adult? Yeah, you're an adult now. I know. I don't, I think it's hard for people to see you that way when they hired you as a kid actor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it instantly ages their own age in their own mind. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, but, but it is, you know, I, I will say, um, Marguerite Moreau, who I did not work with, but I did see at the rap party was so lovely. And I'm, I'm such a huge fan of hers and she was so lovely and, I could see her processing what maybe it's harder for, for some people to process. I could see her go, oh my God, you're an adult. <laughs> like you are actually not a kid anymore. You, we're both women, you know? <laughs> and it's hard to, I mean, it is, it's hard to feel that way. And especially knowing because I have interacted with several people throughout the years, I've been a kid in, men, in most of our interactions. Right. And I'm still like, and I'm still a kid. So what Well, it's like when you're a kid, like age differences seem like so fucking huge. Like if you're 6 and somebody's 12, it's like Oh yeah, that's, that's too twice much. your entire life. Like it it feels crazy, but if you're older, if you're like if you're then 40 and they're like 46, it's like it feels like nothing whatsoever. I'm not saying you're 40 or 46. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, I will be someday. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we all will. That's yeah. the goal, right? Jeez. It's <laughs> <laughs> turned dark. <laughs> well, you know, COVID yeah. stuff. What can you do? So, um, all right. So working with David again, what was it like? How is he different or the same or whatever? He's amazing. I would venture to say he's the same, but better <laughs> because, you know, look at all the experience he's had. Not that he didn't already have directorial experience, but look at all the experience he's had now with, you know, mainstream movies, et cetera. But on the level, like when he's directing, he is so on the level. He loves entertaining. He's an entertainer. Right. You know, like on set this time, he took out a pack of cards and was doing a magic trick for everybody. <laughs> so nice. it's like he just enjoys so much being in that role. When you see great directors thriving 
in their role as directors. It's just, it's so in contrast to anyone who doesn't thrive in that role. Like, it's just so obvious when somebody's in their zone because, you know, there is a leadership quality in this and that, but a director who's not thriving in a leadership role is kind of like a, you know, a dictator or somebody you have to take orders from or someone who's trying to communicate something and they can't. Yeah, they're acting like a director. Right. And then somebody who belongs in that role is just so at ease, Mm. you know, even when things get crazy and, and David will juggle, you know, like a director should 85 things at a time. Right. And, you know, he could be stressed. He's a human, but he's just so in his zone and in his element that it just gets done. So you worked with uh, another funny man by the name of Stephen Merchant. You were in the uh, Hello Ladies movie. Yes, I was. What was it like working with Merchant? He's like huge. He's like gigantic, right? (laughs) Yes. I have never felt so short and scrawny in my whole life. What is he? He's like six, seven or something. I don't know. He's very, very tall and also very nice, but I had very limited interaction (laughs) with him. And he was, by the way, you know, as Wayne did and Showalter did a bit in the first movie, he was directing while he was acting. I mean, Merchant was literally directing and it was a one shot take that we did maybe 20 times that day. So he was directing an entire, you know, five minute scene and also appearing in that scene and running the show. So again, you know, any distractibility, totally understandable, but then still present in the scene. Awesome to watch. And, but yes, towering over me. I mean, very, very, very (laughs) difficult to say I like felt at the level or anything. They had him. And then they, the girl they cast me next to was also quite tall. So I just felt a little silly. So no apple crates you standing on or anything. Right. No apple crates for me. <laughs> and, you, and you see in the shot, you know, I'm just kind of this teeny, teeny person. So, so what's your favorite role that you've done? <laughs> nice little sound effect there. Thanks. <laughs> I do. I do voiceover. Um, <laughs> my favorite film or TV role would be my appearance as Addie Hall, the troubled New Orleans Katrina holdout on the ABC series Final Witness, which had six or eight episodes in the summer of 2011. Yeah, I don't remember that one at all. Yeah, no, nobody really does, (laughs) which is a shame because it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've gotten to have as an actor. And if, if available on some medium, you should really look it up. I think they ended up renaming my episode, which was initially called Graveyard Love, and calling it Addie Hall, which was the role that I was playing. Look at you. Eh, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty I'm gonna have awesome. To, I got to try and find that. That's a trouble yeah. with like those shows that just disappear is that, yeah. you know, sometimes there's good things, but nobody will ever know. I know. And it's and it's a little awkward, too, for me as as a performer who is trying to build a real because I have, you know, an hour's worth of footage, but the way that the episode was cut, because it was uh, mixed with sort of a docudrama feel, Mm. the way it was cut, there aren't, you know, let's say 30 seconds at a time of me speaking to someone. Right. It's a word here or a word there or a sentence here or a look or an interaction, which looks very beautiful. But in order to sort of showcase my work in a 30 second clip, it's it didn't really reap any benefits, which is a shame because the episode itself, if you had time as a casting director to sit down 
and watch an hour of TV, you might be compelled by my performance. Right. You'd be like, that's the girl. That's the one. (laughs) We're here to promote it right now. Yeah, man. We're going to find it (laughs) illegally on YouTube. We're going to try. Yeah. (laughs) I actually, I tried to find it not too many months ago and I couldn't. So good luck. You you were probably better at these things than I am. They they removed it because of this two year Hulu limit or something, but it's Final Witness was the series. Mm. And I would be episode one, Addie Hall. Yeah, man. And Justified is coming to a close. And I was hoping I'd see you again before the last couple episodes. But there aren't many horrors this season. No horrors. (laughs) I just started Justified. (laughs) You did? Yeah. She's. uh, I haven't gotten up to you yet. I'm sorry. Yeah, she's season three. And she's a great whore. (laughs) (laughs) She's the whore that you're going to love. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I had my chance and I, I blew it. I mean, I don't think it was my fault. It just, they went in a different direction. The season after mine, they were sort of thinking about having Minerva be the the whore of the hour, like the one that had the big storyline. Mm. Um, and then they went with another lovely young woman. I love that show. And I, I do kind of really miss the whore plot line because I think that was like some of the strongest material on the show was like the trailer parks and all that. I thought that was really, really good stuff. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because in a sense, I should be really proud of of where the media is going since they didn't, you know, keep focusing on on hookers as women. <laughs> and instead there were, you know, very, very strong female roles. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's chock full of strong female characters now. And I say chock full and then I realize, oh wait, there's only two, but they're really good. <laughs> they're really good characters. <laughs> And one of them was in class with me in this acting class I was in. And she's, she is hands down the loveliest person. Joel Carter? No. Or Steam Virgin or? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Am I being helpful? Erica. Uh, I don't know. Her real name. <laughs> it's all right. We can cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> Erica. Oh God. Yeah, whatever. All right. So we're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be back with some questions from the mailbag. See you soon. Yeah. Questions, right? (laughs) Fun. I know, right? All right. We'll be right back. And now, Chloe Peltier reviewing a movie she's seen parts of while working at the theater. Okay. So we got rid of Chappie after the bare minimum of time to have it, which is only two weeks. I didn't even get to see it because of that. I'm going to have to go to like an AMC or something. It's going to be horrible. But we still have Kingsman, and it's doing really well. Um, That movie's really exciting. I can kind of see why it's doing well. There hasn't been one that's uh, like up its alley in a while. It's very unique, at least for right now. I don't really have any problems with Kingsman. I just uh, never really had much interest in it, I guess. But honestly, it's growing on me as we've had it. Um, It's got a good rhythm. It's got good colors. It's got um, a cute story. It's got Samuel L. Jackson, you know, and it's got good costumes. Lots of glasses in that one. And bonus, there's a really nice ass shot at one point. I won't tell you where. That's about it. Thanks, Chloe. And now back to the show. First question is from Greg, and he asks, how'd you come up with your posture and your distinct arm movement? Also, let me meet David Wayne. <laughs> because I have the gate code. Apparently. David Wayne. Yeah. 
Oh, Greg. Oh, Greg. Um, was that his name, Greg? That's his like, name. Okay, good. Hi, Greg. How did I come up with it? I really, I appreciate the question. I really was just being myself. Um, <laughs> no, I, I was making a, a choice, which is a horrible actor word, but I was making a choice to be gothy and depressed and awkward. And that just was the way that I felt to raise my hand. I felt it was appropriate. And we were asked, you know, in a moment, they were kind of wild takes of uh, just, okay, uh, everybody, he's going to come to the table and y'all raise your hands. And so I raised my hand. Did it feel iconic when you were doing it? <laughs> Did I know I would one day be an icon? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think the, the thought crossed my mind, but I... I knew that it was funny. It's so true, though. It's that, That's what's so great about it. Is it. It's so genuine. I think between you and Paul Rudd, like, falling over himself to pick up that tray you just threw. Yeah. That, like, man, that nails it. That's 100% what it's like to be, like, a teenager. It's great. Great job. Okay. I think I was just thinking, what is it like to hate my life? And I'm a little familiar with this. And this is how it feels. <laughs> No, that's totally it. Cause then you watch it too. And then you're like, oh, man, I've, I've like, I've definitely, I've felt that emotion, you know, like <laughs> yeah, probably man. after I did the thing that Paul Rudd did, I then raised my <laughs> hand like that, you know, like, <laughs> all right. So next question is from Alex and he asks, what do y'all think of the trend of creators bringing back older properties and making sequels years and decades after the fact, are they going for the same sort of thing? Or are they banking on nostalgia? How are these new things going to read to old fans? I think he's just being a little tongue in cheek about uh, the uh, Wet Hot American Summer reboot. I know he's a he's a big fan and he can't wait for it. But let's let's tackle that topic a little bit because that's a thing now. You know, we got Twin yeah. Peaks coming back. We got older things being reimagined. I mean, from the business standpoint, it's a great idea. You have a fan base already. In the case of something like Wet Hot American Summer, you have people that are dying to see a sequel or prequel. Exactly. And they've been dying to since the first one came out, really. Exactly. So, I mean, what do I think of it? I think that not in all cases would I be behind it, but in a case where you have a fan base who want it to happen, as long as you do it rightly. And I think part of getting everyone back, not that they got everyone back, but part of getting so many people back was an expression of that loyalty to the fan base and that loyalty to the original and that play spirit that made the first one so much fun, which is, hey, let me get all my friends together again and recreate something that worked out so well the first time. Why couldn't it work out even better the second time? Right. And there's the consistency of the vision aspect, because, I mean, these guys are still really, really fucking funny. I mean, they came together. It was like my favorite movie of last oh my year. God, so, so fucking funny. Everyone's at the top of their game. It just makes sense as a thing to happen. I it, think. Yeah. And it makes sense with their humor because yeah. that whole thing about self-awareness, the fact that they're having this reboot with, let's say, the entire same cast how many years later and they're calling it a prequel. Exactly. <laughs> like that, that alone makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Whereas like it's, it makes it stand out from another reboot because it's so aware of the fact that it's doing a reboot, but it's not going to not do it. You know, like it's doing it for the right <laughs> reasons. <laughs> totally. And not to mention, they also invited all their new friends to play. I.e., all the famous people. 
who are yeah. brilliant. Not that they aren't already famous. You get what I'm saying. It's like now they can literally ask whoever the fuck they want to come play. Right. Yeah. Why so John Hamm is going to be a part of it and Lake Bell and a couple of, you know, people from like uh, Children's Hospital. And Michael Sarah. Oh, yeah. Bre- breaking news. <laughs> That's pro- it's probably already on. Stuff. Well. Michael Sarah is really funny. He is. Every time I hear him on podcasts or interviews, he was really hilarious. And I feel like on screen, he doesn't get the right roles. I think he does. Because <laughs> he doesn't always make me. But I don't, I'm not, I'm not a big Judd Apatow fan. A level oh, with you guys. Could it. it could be up. But as for the remakes in general, I think it's an interesting topic. But, it, you know, really recently, this is a little dopey, but my time hop <laughs> app told me which we're not sponsored by time hop so (laughs) don't talk about them too long yeah basically well it brought up something that i had written three years ago where i I mentioned this whole topic i said it's really bizarre to me that the impact the economy has had on our attitudes towards pop culture i was saying that this uh idea that we're not we're kind of instead of producing anything new we're, we're almost somehow saving something by sticking to remaking ideas that are just from 2000 to 2008 which I, that's like my conspiracy theory, but I kind of I, I kind of agree with it. I don't know if you guys agree with it. I think on a larger scale, like you're definitely right. There's there's doing it right and there's doing it wrong, and it's going to be done wrong eighty percent of the time. I think just I in was, general, right? I was thinking I think a lot about superhero movies mm-hmm. when oh. I was writing that. Well, yeah, we're going to have a new Spider Man like next oh, year yeah. again. Ugh, 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 ugh. <laughs> See, that's doing it wrong. Yeah, I will right. Agree with that. I'll have an opinion. That's wrong. Like there was nothing wrong with the first time they redid it. And then there was maybe only a little bit wrong with redoing it again. Now they're going to redo it again. And What's it's always happening? origin stories. I know. <laughs> it's like, could there ever be a more simple origin than fucking Spider-Man? You get bit by a radioactive spider. You can handle that in the opening fucking credits. If there's somebody like that needs that explained to them or whatever, you know, you can throw them a bone in that regard. But like, Really, we need to see another fucking origin story. No. Yeah, I mean, they're not like. I mean, obviously, remakes aren't new, and reboots aren't new, and etc. And I mean, again, like, I think sometimes it's definitely like this feels right. <laughs> this one, yeah, it really does. I think when it's tied to like crowdfunding and things like that, where it's really the fans getting involved, or it feels like a natural outgrowth from like. You know, this group of people who like something but aren't necessarily going to be listened to by a studio. You know, mm. you know, this this series wouldn't have come about from like Comedy Central or some major studio, you know, even IFC or something. They probably wouldn't do it. But Netflix, there's something about Netflix right now that it's just a perfect thing for it at this moment. Yeah, Netflix yeah. seems to be listening to people that are just inspired to do something and make something that they feel strongly about. And they're like, sure, great. Let's give you money and like do it, you know? And that's really interesting. Yeah. Instead of thinking about, well, what about our overhead or whatever? I mean, I'm sure they're thinking about that. <laughs> but, you know, like there, there is that like, because um, didn't in uh, Kimmy Schmidt get like rejected by all the major networks but then netflix was like hell yes and of course everyone loved it right oh and it looks so good and i have to watch it i've only watched one episode i'll admit but everyone seems to love it I except for fi- cody yeah i watched 15 <laughs> minutes i hate it but i didn't like 30 <laughs> rock either so you know it's cody's flawed it's that yeah I'm, it's me <laughs> as a person be. you know <laughs> yeah i just don't like that that vibe and i like tina fey a lot i just I don't know. Only Mean Girls. That's like really the only thing that she wrote or whatever that I really dug. I love her. Everybody okay. loves her. I'm I'm fully in the wrong on this. I'm, <laughs> I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. I'm the we problem know. here. 
All right. So um, before we go, this isn't a question from anybody, but it'll be a question from me. We got a question from Cody. <laughs> okay. What, what's some good stuff you've seen lately? Some good movies and whatnot. Man, Anything? So on the spot. How about I'm going to potentially amend it. If you don't like this amendment, feel free to ignore it. Okay. What what has made you what movies are have come out that have made you laugh recently? Mm, that's a better question than mine. Oh, I like both of those questions, but <laughs> it's like one of those things because I have anomia where when you ask me that, I suddenly forget everything that I've ever seen. Well, oh, that's me. I didn't know there was a name for it. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real thing. I'm just trying to think like what recently. I go to this wonderful, thanks to David Wayne, by the way go to this wonderful screening series here in LA where they showed uh, the wet hot 10 year anniversary showing. Um, and I see a lot of these films for free. Nice. Uh, like before they're coming out. So, you know, I'm trying to think like what, what's the last one I went to. I know that I saw uh, American sniper at that series, but that's, you know, that's an obvious one. I thought it was very good. Trying to think of if there's, I've been watching my screeners. So what's, what's jumping out at me? Mm. Oh, well, this is not funny, but I loved cake. Oh, I didn't see that. I loved That's it. That's a Jennifer I, Aniston one. Yeah. Right? I agree with some of the outrage, even though I think I understand maybe why she wasn't nominated, but I agree with some of the outrage around it because her performance was so brilliant. It was so, you know, Jennifer Aniston as we've never seen her. Mm. Um, and it was just a very dark, it, it had an indie vibe, which again, I think is maybe one of the reasons it wasn't quite Academy material, but it was just, her performance was just so compelling. It was painful, you know? Well, and she's she's got people. chops. She was good in the, the Good Girl. She was great in Office Space. You know, she's got chops. Yes. People forget it, about her. It's a shame. Yeah, I don't know if they forget or there's some bias or there's something going on with, you know, Brangelina. I don't know. But I, I know that that was a wonderful movie. See, on paper, I would have written that one off because it just seemed like the sort of hackneyed thing of an actress has no makeup. Therefore, she is dramatic acting kind of thing. Well, you know, I don't I don't think it occurred to me that there was even no makeup because she clearly had a lot of makeup on. She well, had you a, always, that's a, of, that's a funny thing, too, is like you always have something on like for the yeah. lights and whatnot. She also had special effects makeup on because she had a giant scar on her face. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah, but she wasn't wearing mascara. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Well, it was brave. I mean, it was a brave role. It was very unattractive role. And I say that with pride because, you know, women have the need in Hollywood to kind of be one or the other. And when you're when you have a career as one, it's often rare that we get to see you in the other. Meaning if you're an attractive star, it's rare we get to see you be unattractive. And then sometimes you get awards for being unattractive, like, you know, the Halle Berry monster yeah. Charlize Theron and yeah that one too yeah. right Monster and Monster's Ball both came out and they confused the hell out of me so <laughs> but you know so again I, I I could see why people were behind her because she was really great and very brave nice right, right. On. I have to check that out too and you liked American Cyber too I did I did did you yeah. see it as pro-war because the people no. that yeah, some people are like, no, it wasn't fucking pro-war. And other people are like, yeah, it totally was. Yeah, I don't think it was pro-war. I, I think it was actually incredibly unbiased. I think you saw really both sides of the argument. 
The only unfortunate thing was what? It, well, who's that actress? Sienna Miller. Sienna Miller's character, even though in real life this is, you know, probably not an annoying woman, and Sienna Miller herself is probably not annoying. The character had its very needy female annoying moments, mm -hmm. which I think dampened the argument of the more liberal voice, the anti-war voice, because that was her voice. Mm. So it was like that might have come across as naggy and needy and not understanding her husband, when in fact it was a very strong, important voice that was echoed by other characters in the film. And I also do think that Bradley Cooper was brilliant. In that right. movie, like brilliant. Did you tell so, him that? Did you get to tell him? No, I didn't get. I didn't <laughs> get. Nobody got. Nobody got to see Bradley Cooper. Aww. Bradley Cooper had a very special day, all his own. Um, <laughs> but did you? Uh, do you remember him from the first uh, time around with Wet Hot? I don't think we. I honestly don't think we met. Yeah. I don't think he and I met. I met Paul Rudd for sure. I met Molly Shannon. And then the others that I worked with and, and Zach Orth, I remember vividly and Chris Maloney, who's the other nicest man on the planet. Uh, yeah, no, but what? Oh, Bradley Cooper. No, Sienna Miller. No. What was I? I don't know. I had a th I had a thought about American Sniper. I want to see if I can grab it before I let you guys. Oh, uh, liberal voice, nagging female. Uh, Is that the name of your new book? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> oh, it was something about. Sienna, no, Bradley Cooper being brilliant. Cody ruined it. Oh, no, 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 he didn't. Because I just, it's helping me <laughs> That's remember. That's a first. Other, it's helping me remember other things that were great, like Birdman and, and um, what's the other one? God damn it. The one with the little boy. Boyhood. Okay, Boyhood, <laughs> Birdman, great films. He's only and, a little boy for like a third of the movie. Yeah, well, it was very good. And my other favorite performances of the century or this year are, they are Michael Keaton and Patricia Arquette. Brilliant people. Yeah, Michael Keaton's always been a huge favorite of mine. Um, he was just so incredible in Birdman. It's not even funny. And Patricia Arquette was so incredible in Boyhood. Yeah, she's great too, man. Amazing. She did some awesome David Lynch stuff back in the day. Oh, you know, awesome. she is solid. Yeah. So that's what I think about movies. Right on. You you have like a very actor's uh, taste in movies, it seems. Do I? Yeah. yeah. Like, it seems like you're drawn to like the, you know, actors fucking nailing it, basically. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, why else, why else do what I do? You yeah. know, I want to be moved by someone and then hopefully I want to move others. Yeah, man. Word. All righty. Thank you oh, for being on the show. You're so welcome. This was really, really fun. And yeah, man. Stimulating. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for Skyping all the way from the inferior coast of the United States of America. Yeah, with better weather, though. We'll give you that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any final words for, let's say, your fans? Um, words for my fans? Yeah, there's um, probably a couple listening. Okay, well, thank you for being a fan. Thank you for caring what I'm up to. I really care about what I do. So hopefully I'll keep being able to share some stories with you. Yeah, Maybe if anything, anything new and interesting that happens to you, you come on the show. Okay, Oh, but what I meant was, I was being <laughs> actor pretentious, was that I enjoy creating other versions of myself to share with others. And I'm very glad that you guys think that's cool damn right and madeline's direct phone line is yeah. 555 <laughs>
<laughs> of course it's five, five, five. <laughs> caveat, caveat, I did make a mistake. I returned fan mail recently with my personal return address on the Oh envelope. man, that's a Just, rookie mistake. I know, it was stupid. <laughs> and now I'm now I'm getting lots of fan mail. Which is not a problem, but it just you know, I don't want somebody coming to my home, obviously. So, right. Oopsies. So, if you know her address, please don't come to her home. <laughs> Thank it's you. a little PSA. <laughs> All right, Jenna, any parting words? Uh, it was lovely talking to you, Madeline, and learning how to pronounce your name. And I'd say parting words go rewatch uh, Wet Hot American Summer, go watch The Baxter. That's my favorite one. The Baxter's favorite movie. incredible, yeah. And, uh, God, David Wayne, Michael Showalter, Michael Ian Black, heroes. They are heroes. Same for me. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. See you soon. 